Okay, the title of today's devotion is Conquering the Giants of Doubt and Fear. And uh, starting it out with um, 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Now all these things happen other than for in samples, and they are written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. And when we go back to Mount Sinai, the day that the law was given, John 1.17 tells us, For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. In Exodus 32.28 we read, And the children of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and there fell of the people that day about 3,000 men. And then in Acts 2.41 we read, Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. 3,000 died on the day the law was given. 3,000 were saved on the day that, of Pentecost. Uh, that's, that's a wonderful contrast between the law and grace. The law kills, but grace gives us life. And... Uh, Exodus 20, 18 says, and all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the, of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. And they said unto Moses, speak thou with us and we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. And Moses said unto the people, fear not, for God has come to prove you and that his fear may be before your faces, that ye sin not. And the people stood afar off. And Moses drew near unto the thick darkness where God was. You know those times when a thunderstorm is rolling over the house and the thunder just booms and shakes the foundations of your house. It seems like it's right over you. Well, just imagine that you're on, you're at the foot of Mount Sinai and imagine that there's smoke and lightning and thunder and loud trumpets blowing. Uh, the people were very fearful that day, and we would be too. If we were there with them, we would be fearful as well. Uh, and then, as Moses was on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights, suddenly, the Lord said to him in 32, uh, 6, or 32.7, and the Lord said to Moses, get, go, get thee down, for thy people, which thou broughtest out of the land of Egypt, have corrupted themselves. You notice how the Lord says here that Mo he tells Moses that the Israelites were his people and that he brought them out of Egypt. And uh, that's reminiscent of a family. And in a family, uh, a lot of times, if the daughter messes up, the husband will say to the wife, your daughter did this or that. And uh, if the if the son messes up, the wife will say to the husband, your son did this and did that. And uh, I think it's wonderful the way the word of God is is true and and sure. And even when it tells uh, us that the Lord said to Moses that your people you brought out of Egypt. And uh, Moses, of course, intercedes for the people. Moses prays back and he, he does intercessory prayer. 
He reminds God of his promises to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it says the Lord repented of the evil that he thought to do to the people. Now, in Exodus 32, 1, and when the people saw that Moses delayed to come down out of the mount, the people gathered themselves together unto Aaron and said unto him, Up, make us gods which shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man that brought us out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what has become of him. And Aaron said unto them, Break off the golden earrings which are in the ears of your wives, of your sons, and of your daughters, and bring them unto me. And all the people broke break off their the golden earrings which were in their ears and brought them unto Aaron. And he received them at their hand and fashioned it with a graving tool. After he made a molten calf, and they said, These be thy gods, O Israel, which brought thee up out of the land of Egypt. And uh and then the Lord says to Moses, get down because the people have sinned. And in 32, 17, when Joshua heard the noise of the people as they shouted, he said unto Moses, there is a noise of war in the camp. And he said, it is not the voice of them that shout for mastery. Neither is it the voice of them that cry for being overcome, but the noise of them that sing do I hear. And um, from this, we can, we can take the lesson that idolatry Idolatry always has some kind of a, a fleshly sexual component to it. And that's what happened to the people when it came down from the mountain. The people were naked. They were dancing around. They were drinking. They were singing. And, uh, and that's the day that 3,000 3, men died. The day that the law was given. And he broke the Ten Commandments. And he had to go back and get another set from the mountain, from the Lord. But... Uh, one of the worst excuses that you, you would probably ever hear for, the, for your life in your life is 3221. And Moses said unto Aaron, what did this people unto thee that thou brought so great a sin upon them? And Aaron said, let not the anger of my Lord was my Lord wax hot. Thou knowest the people that they are set on mischief. For they said unto me, make us gods which shall go before us. For as for this Moses, the man that brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we wot not what is become of him. And I said unto them, whosoever hath any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it me that I cast it into the fire and there came out this calf. Aaron said that the calf just jumped out of the fire. Magically. But the previous verse says he took a graving tool and made the calf. But that's one of the worst excuses that I've ever heard. I don't know about you, but it definitely is. Later on, when the spies uh, returned, after they spied out the promised land, here's what the Word of God says in Numbers 13.31. But the men that went up with him said, we be not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched unto the children of Israel, saying, The land through which we have gone to search it, it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw in it are men of, great, of a great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers. And so we were in their sight and all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried and the people wept that night. And we know what happened after that. 
the Lord said, doubtless, in 1430, doubtless she shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb, the son of Japheneth, and Joshua, the son of Nun, but your little ones, which he said should be a prey, them will I bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised. And so the, the Israelites wandered in the wilderness for 40 years. And the word of God tells us that miraculously their, their, their clothes did not wear out. Their feet did not swell during that 40 years. And God fed them with angels food from heaven. The next generation on this side of the Jordan River before entering into the promised land. In Deuteronomy 3.11, we read this. For only Og, king of Bashan, remained of the remnant of the giants. Behold, his bedstead was a bedstead of iron. Is it not in Rabbath of the children of Ammon? Nine cubits was the length thereof, and four cubits the breadth of it, after the cubit of a man. Notice furthermore, now I'm, I'm reading this. Uh, this is from a commentary. Notice furthermore that God's people on the way to Canaan need not be surprised if they confront some sort of a giant. Had not the Israelitish host had trouble enough already? No. Red Sea, not enough. Water famine, not enough. Long marches, not enough. Opposition by enemies of ordinary stature, not enough. They must meet Og, the giant of the iron bedstead. Do you know the name of the biggest giant that you could possibly meet? And you will meet him. He is not 11 feet high, but 100 feet high. His bedstead is as long as a continent. His name is Doubt. His common food is infidel books and script septal lectures and ministers who do not know whether the Bible is inspired at all or inspired in spots and Christians who are more infidel than Christians. You will never reach the promised land unless you slay that giant. Kill Doubt or Doubt will kill you. Another impression from my subject, the march of the church cannot be impeded by gigantic opposition. That Israelitish host led on by Moses was the church. And when Og the giant, he of the iron bedstead, came out against him with another host, things must have looked bad for Israel. Moses of ordinary size against Og of extraordinary dimensions. Besides that, Og was backed up by 60 fortified cities. Moses was backed up seemingly by nothing but the desert that had worn him and his army into a group of undisciplined and exhausted stragglers. But the Israelites triumphed. The day is coming. Hear it. All ye who are doing something for the conquest of the world for God and the truth. The time will come when, as there was nothing left of Og, the giant, but the iron bedstead kept at Rabbath as a curiosity there will be nothing left of the giants of iniquity except something for the relic hunters to examine. That's T. D. Witt Talmadge from Biblical Illustrator Commentary on Deuteronomy 3.11. By the way, a cubit is 18 inches, commonly measured from the tip of the finger to the, top, to the tip of the elbow by a man. That's the measure of a cubit. And so his bedstead was... 13 and a half feet long and six feet wide. May God bless this reading of his word and this devotion. Thank you.